What's up, everyone? Today on BGJ Tech Nerd Podcast, my good buddy, Matt. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Marco? Not too bad. Now, before we start, guys, I just want to say a special thank you to the good guys at X Marshall for providing such awesome gear. Today's selection I've chosen is you can't fix stupid, you can only choke it out. So that's one of my favorites. So, and also another special thank you to the good folks at Higher Health Canada and USA. If you guys are interested in uh, raw liver, kidneys, all that good stuff, there's a lot of research out there. So you can have it daily in pill form. Helps me a lot on cooking. And if you're interested in any of those products, you can use my special code. will be probably somewhere here. BJJ Tech Nerd. That's one nerd, one word, sorry. BJJ Tech Nerd. All right, let's do this. Matt, how are you today? You're good? I'm good. Yeah. How's yeah, the weather? Good. How's the weather today? Weather's good. San Jose's got pretty much the best weather in the country. It's uh, yeah. 75 and sunny. Uh, I guess in Celsius, it's like uh, like 20, 20 degrees Celsius. Oh, for you probably. Just Something like that. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I am so freaking happy for you. No, but actually, you know what? In, in Montreal, it's nice. We have nice summer weather now, but today's a little bit cold. So, uh, it's like 15, 20 degrees, so it's not too bad today. I uh, I didn't know you were in Montreal until the other day. I was listening to, I think it was the Elbows Tight podcast. I was, I was just in Montreal like three weeks ago, so uh, I, I love it there. It's one of my favorite towns. I get a lot of people think that I'm from the States, and then the people from Canada think I'm from the States, and the people from the States think I'm like, it's always like vice versa. Like, I'm from Canada. I guess I don't say like the, the traditional like, A or would a boot or not, like a lot to, to make yeah. it obvious, but yeah, I'm from Montreal. It's pretty cool <laughs> here. I love Montreal. I love Quebec City. Spent a lot of time in in Quebec uh, a long time ago, actually. It's been it's a, probably nine years. It's actually hockey country here in Montreal, yeah. and especially yeah. you have a hockey background. That's something we'll get into later. But yeah, yeah, it's crazy nuts here in hockey. But now, Matt, that I have you, I want to know what made you start in this crazy jujitsu, PJ slam, and choking world. <laughs> what possessed you? Um. Well, I had a little bit of experience with boxing growing up. There was a boxing gym near my house. And as cross-training uh, for hockey, uh, which now that I know what I know, I, I wish I had done something completely different. Uh, I'm glad I did it because it led me here. But uh, as far as hockey is concerned, it was probably the worst thing that I could have done. Uh, <laughs> in any case, started boxing. Then one year, uh, one of my friends, uh, he wrestled in high school. He invited me to gold medal grappling. Gold medal grappling was run by Elijah Harshbarger. And the pro there is Chris McRae. Chris McRae was on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, and he had a couple fights in the UFC. But that was like my first uh, my first experience with jiu-jitsu in any form. Um, and they did mostly stand-up stand up and wrestling. Like it was mostly like boxing and wrestling there. Um, but they had like, you know, I learned some like basic jiu-jitsu stuff. An arm bar, a rear naked choke stuff that was MMA, um, that was usable in MMA. And uh, so that was my first experience with it. And then I didn't do anything with it through college. I got done playing hockey. I got done with college. I came, uh, I moved out to California. I started coaching for the Sharks. And then I, I just missed that. I don't know. I missed the challenge. I missed... Um, the team atmosphere. I know jujitsu is an individual sport, but it's a team sport at the same time. You know, you mm -hmm. have your your training partners and um, and your coaches, and it's very much uh, you know family uh, family oriented in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. And so I missed that. And I started to do some research and I started to realize that there are names attached to all these places. Um, you know, there are affiliates of one, you know, school or another. And Kyoterra Academy is right down the street from my house. And I was like, oh, who's nice. this guy? And so I look him up. I look him up and he's 12 time <laughs> world guy? champion. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'd be crazy. And he, and, he and he teaches here. Like he lives down, he lives right behind the gym. So that's he, uh, he, uh, he teaches still and he's around, he's in the gym. And so I, I thought to myself, I was like, I would be absolutely crazy to not <laughs> go here. So I, so I started there and I got hooked immediately. And I've been going every day ever since. Um, you know, now it's been, it'll be, it was seven years in March, um, that I've been training pretty much every day. So nice. Every day is cool. That's yeah. amazing. Kyotaro, like you're just, oh yeah, he's, and for people who don't really know jujitsu, Kyotaro is like, let's say, I don't know, like a Tiger Woods of freaking, uh, jujitsu kind of thing. He's won 12 IBJJF yeah. titles. He's nuts. He's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. I'll be in your same shoes. I'm like, oh my God, what amazing opportunity that is. Yeah. But Outside jujitsu, well, once you started that, it led you to something else—a new path on strength training, right? For uh, for jujitsu athletes, what? Yeah. So the the whole story behind that is, you know, growing up playing hockey, I started late. I needed to do something to separate myself or to catch up to my peers, and then you know, eventually, um, you know, eventually surpass them. And that was by living in the gym. And so I was really lucky to have a I had a lot of really great strength coaches, great people who helped kind of bring me up and, um, you know, just helped me build the confidence that I needed to, to get where I got. Uh, I didn't get particularly far, but I played in college a little bit. And, um, you know, as far as numbers go, statistically speaking, that's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was moved by their efforts. And I knew deep down, I was like, you know what, if I, if I didn't play hockey and I didn't coach hockey, that's something that I would love to do. Mm -hmm. And I, when COVID hit, I was at in a, in a place where I was kind of burning out. I didn't see much of a future in, you know, my like coaching on the ice. And I had to pivot like we all did. Mm -hmm. And I pivoted to teaching hockey lessons on Zoom, which wow. I never <laughs> thought in a million years I'd be doing that. And so I, I remember, you know, there's only so much you can do with a kid. Mm -hmm a couple of pucks, a net, you know, and maybe they, maybe they have like a couple of, you know, stick handling balls or something to balance or something, you know? Yeah. And so you have to get creative. And so I was like, you know what, you know, this whole time I've been coaching kids, I've been telling them what to do at home, things, exercises that helped me when I was, you know, older than them, but helped me when I was coming up. And so I would give them that homework and it's really hard to make kids do anything. So yeah now that I was on zoom with them, I was like, okay, like I'm here with you. We're going to do this thing. And so we do like 15 or 20 minutes of like stick skills or puck skills or whatever. And then the last 10 or 15 minutes, we'd, we'd work out basically and be like, all right, like we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to like, you know, do on one leg or whatever it was, you know, whatever it was to help them um, get stronger so that they could do the things that we were trying to get them to do during the, the stick and puck portion of the, of the, of the lesson. And then after a few months, people, I started to hear like, you know, I never used to be able to do this, but now I can. And that's really cool. And I'm like, yeah, it's like the stuff works, you know, like if you get stronger, you can do more you do more, you get better, you get better, you have more fun. And so that, that kind of turned it over in my head. I was like, okay, I can do this. Like, that's something that I could do. I could like transition this into strength training. 
So I got one of my former players, because it was still COVID, nothing was open. Yeah. Uh, I trained him remotely. So I was like, program for him. He'd send me video. I'd correct for him, do whatever. And then he got another guy. And then things started to open up a little bit. And then we brought mm. them into the gym. I rented space from another trainer. And two turned into four. Four turned into eight. Eight mm. turned into 20. Next thing you know, I needed my own place. So maybe nine months into that, we moved into a warehouse spot, like 600 square feet, not very big. And we were there for nine months. And now we're in what you see behind me is a, it's a 2,400 square foot uh, standalone building um, that we're, we're in downtown San Jose. So it's, it's uh, morphed into this massive thing and I love it. And I guess as far as training jujitsu athletes, yeah. you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I kind of, when I moved out here to coach, I kind of started to miss the, the team vibe. So I started jujitsu. That's my passion. Like, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, uh, it's so, so fun to me. And when I started coaching those hockey guys, you know, the, the, the off season ended, then they had to leave. And I was like, oh my goodness, my business is screwed. If I don't, <laughs> if I, if I solely rely on people who come for, come back for only four months out of the year. So I was like, well, the next, the next thing in my head was like, well, I got to like, who else would I like to work with? Well, jujitsu people, right? It's only natural. That's where I spend most of my time anyway. If I'm not here at the gym or at home with my wife, I'm on the mats. And uh, so I started training a few people there. And then I started training the coaches there. And then they started bringing people and it just like turned into this massive thing. And now I'd say we're hovering around 50 members right now. And I'd say 80 to 85% of them are jujitsu people. Wow. Um, it's a cool mix though. Like it's a blast. It's it's for me. It's like, I love hockey too. Cause being in Montreal growing up in hockey, it's like hockey's big here. So I love yeah. hockey. So, and I love jujitsu too now. So like for me, it's like the perfect scenario for you. It's like oh, <laughs> straight training for jujitsu and hockey, like the two biggest things like for me right now. Like, yeah. That's so cool. That's really cool. Thanks man. Yeah. It's a blast. Oh man. And I want to say, is there any, have you ever had a client that, uh, during their, like their trainer straight or have you had like a serious injury? Like what is your client, the biggest injury that you remember? Yeah, you actually, with? this is, uh, recently actually the, um, she won, uh, well, she was, she got second place at worlds this past weekend. Um, female purple belt, uh, her name's Jess Stroll, and she came to us maybe six or seven months ago uh, after having torn her ACL, MCL, and meniscus, uh, kind of a freak accident on the mats. And she had, um, uh, I believe it was a quadectomy. So they took like a piece of her quad out and fed it through her knee, turned it into an ACL, stitched up her MCL. Uh, yeah, it was nasty. And so like, that's a, that's a career-ending injury for a lot of people. Yeah, for uh, sure. And then, so she went through surgery, went through PT, and then knew that she needed to get back, not to where she was before, but stronger, right? Mm -hmm. And at that point, the results speak for themselves. Like, we get results here. The people who come here get stronger. They get injured less. And if they do get injured, they bounce back quicker. And so she, the word has got around. And, um, you know, she trains. We train at the same gym. Uh, we both train at Kyotera. So... Um, the word had got to her that if she wanted to get strong and she wanted to get stronger than she was before she got injured, then this was the place to go. And so she showed up yes. and she worked super, super hard and did everything that we asked. And 
um, you know, when it came time to go back to, you know, full, you know, full intensity roles and, and yeah, full intensity training level. and competition level training, she was ready to go. We went down to San Diego two weeks ago and she, she absolutely mowed down the entire field. Um, it was like, like nothing happened. And then last, uh, last weekend at Worlds, she, she had a great performance. So we were really, really happy, but that was, I would say of all the injuries I've seen, that was definitely the gnarliest. Nice. That's amazing. Honestly, even like for me, like when I, I think the problem with most people is like when they get hurt, automatically in their mind is like, I'm done and they'll quit. And I remember five years ago when I, I uh, blew my back for the God knows how many time I did. It was a bad uh, herniated disc, probably moved 22 millimeters, very small, but enough to make me not move for like four days, uh, enough to play tricks in my head. Uh, and enough for six months having a hard time putting my socks on. So all this yeah. emotions, the the length, you, just, you play these games like I'm never going to be better again. This is my life. But it's so far from the truth. It's like people don't believe in this strength training and rehabilitation that you could come back and stronger. And when I tell people that I, I was – and people at work just make fun of me. They call Marco the broken back. He's an old man kind of thing. Where it's, yeah, now I'm doing jiu-jitsu and there's not even – any doubt in my back and my back is even stronger now than ever. Yeah. That is what blows my mind today. Yeah. So whenever you tell me a story like this, like, yeah, anyone can come back as crazy as it sounds. Anyone can come back. And, you know, and I think in, I mean, it's, I don't know how prevalent this is in other sports, but in jujitsu, like you said, people, a lot of people, once they get injured, they're like, Oh, I'm done. And then they just either leave the sport or stop doing things at all. Maybe they stop moving. There's a, we do a seminar here at like all the jujitsu schools just to like teach people about strength training for jujitsu. And, you know, one of the things we talk about is, uh, there's, I think it was, it was a, a study that was conducted. It's like a self-reported thing where mm -hmm. it was like 1200 athletes over three years, right. And jujitsu athletes, and okay. they had to report when they got injured, how long they took off, what they did after the injury. Mm -hmm. And 75% of them got injured, no surprise. <laughs> uh, but what was more alarming was what people did afterwards. And I think it was 20 some percent, 20 some percent, maybe it was 25%, I have to look at the numbers, 25% or so just stretched more. But if you have a joint yep. injury, then that's not gonna help. Mm -hmm. And then the other 20, another 25% did nothing. They just <laughs> didn't do anything. That, and so right out the gate, you have 50% of people did the exact wrong thing. And then the, the other number, the third number that's interesting there is that 2% of them did any kind of strength training. So you have 50% of people doing the wrong thing <laughs> and 2% of them doing something about it, right? Something that's going to help them. And that narrative, I think, needs a change. And that's been our mission is to, is to teach grapplers how to strength train so that they mm -hmm. can spend more time on the mats. And, you know, like if, if I go and I, we go to one of these talks and even one person does something that, that we talk about and they get better and they are able to, you know, not get injured one more time. They spend an extra couple weeks on the mat. They get a little bit better. Their training partners get a little bit better. And so that's our, like, that's our way to reach yeah. as many people as humanly possible. Oh, for sure. It's kind of funny. I have my, like my own case study <laughs> with my wife. My wife never did a sport in her life. And I was trying to teach her like not to be scared of anything. So we did, uh, we do strength training together, like a boot camp style. So I love it. 
she loved it too. But her first one or two classes, I think that's their second class, it's normal. She never did any strength training in her life. She was at a point where she got so scared. She couldn't walk down the stairs because she did a lot of squats and all this stuff. She's like, Marco, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to stop. Like, no, no, don't go down that road. <laughs> it's, it's like the same thing about before. Like when you get hurt, it, it explains to her, this is good pain. You're activating new muscles you never used before. Don't stop. And I feel so many people go down this road where as soon as they do something new or even jujitsu, they get this pain. Oh, I'm going to stop. And now she's at a point where we probably did three or four classes now. She gets mad when she misses a class right. or the pain is her new friend. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. I find like even jujitsu, I don't feel like, like right now, I'm pretty sure my shoulder still hurts, uh, my knee and still my neck from last week. I landed not, not too well, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tight on certain areas, but I'll still move forward. Like there, I can monitor my pain. I know what's good or not. I think that's still like, a, do you find people still like, you see some people that stop training, like for the, the, the like minorest, like injuries um, or like for the weirdest. I don't think I see it as often just because the people at, at Kyos are hardcore. <laughs> and so it's, Fair enough. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a competition gym, even, yeah. you know, even people like I, I don't go to the comp class, but I compete a lot. And mm -hmm. a lot of people I know who don't go to the comp class compete a lot. And so <laughs> it's a, it's a competition gym. And so people are more, accustomed to dealing with bumps and bruises like that yeah um, which are to be expected bumps and bruises are normal um you know it's the it's the injuries that you, you have to watch class or you or you can't go at all or whatever those are the things that um that you got to watch out for but and well in jiu-jitsu i have my own answer but i want you to answer this one as well but what is the most th thing that annoys you in jiu-jitsu Oh, when people don't cut their nails. <laughs> I was just about to say, you see these fresh ones? Yeah. These are, yeah. When people and, don't cut their nails, it's horrible. <laughs> look at this, guys. Look at this. My yeah, wife thought I was attacked. Dude, dude <laughs> I my nails were slightly long, so I didn't play as aggressive. Like, I didn't go for those crazy grips. Or, and I got cut in the end. That's yeah, crazy. That's definitely, definitely a pet Your peeve top? of mine. Uh, I mean, I play, I play both, but... Uh, oh, I thought you meant, uh, that's my like top pet peeve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is the, the nails nails? Yeah. I think that's probably, probably the worst one. I'm borderline between nails and like deodorant, like between okay. those two. Yeah. Yeah. If you smell, that's kind of tough. <laughs> and especially when you like, you smell and you tend to drink any of their sweat by mistake because they're mm. full mount on your side control. It's like, yeah, yeah. Guess, guess I'm not thirsty anymore. That's good. That's good motivation to uh, retain guard. <laughs> so, Matt, you do you do a lot of competitions, right? Uh, yeah, do quite a few. And yeah. I, I've been seeing your uh, best good buddies with uh, Josh, right? <laughs> yeah, you Josh. guys are like, oh, you're like man. two brothers, two mischievous brothers. Like, and I, <laughs> I've been watching your reels. I'm like these guys are good. so you and Josh do quite a bit. Of, quite a bit of uh, tournaments together. Yeah. Um, jo Josh competes more than I do. He, he has gone full bore and competes yeah, pretty he's... much, pretty much every weekend. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I can't work remotely cause I own the gym. So, uh, <laughs> True. I don't have that luxury, but I, I do compete as often as I can. Um, I think since I got my brown belt, I've done eight or nine tournaments. So that's eight or nine in six months. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I'd like, I mean, I set out to do 10 this year and I'll break that easy. So I think I'm going to try to do 15 or 20. Mm. Um, nice. And I love it. It's a blast. It's, it's so, um, it's so much fun. And I think there's a lot to be said for, um, trying to execute under pressure, trying to execute against people you don't know, because, you know, you get into these grooves with your training partners where, you know, you know, their game, they know your game. You can kind of, you can kind of guess where things are going to end up unless somebody takes a hard left turn, but that doesn't happen as often. (laughs) You go to competition and you, you're going to get reactions that you're not used to. You're going to get looks that you've never seen before. And that's important, I think, for developing a well-rounded jujitsu game because even the wrong reaction can get you if you don't know how to respond to it. And um, that's that's ultimately, I think, what competition comes down to for me is just their data points. I try to go in. I don't put too much pressure on myself. Just say, okay, like, I obviously want to win, but I'm not going to, like, you know, I'm not going to be too, too upset if I don't. I'm just going to move on, fix the thing that I didn't, do right and then go back and do it again and you know you start to see the the tide shift a little and um you know start to win more matches because you you just have those you have those data points under your belt yeah for sure and with uh with your establishment and now having about 50 members in it and you're starting the instagram and all the stuff and you're making these great reels now with josh (laughs) (laughs) those are fun yeah, they are fun. They're fun. They're very fun. Uh, we laugh the whole time. Like, you guys can make like a whole series on Netflix about like just call it the crank. The crank. With <laughs> <The> a <crank>. uh, <laughs> question mark. Yeah, but yeah. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Oh man, um, jujitsu, your your uh, retaliation, uh establishment, everything. Where do you see yourself? Yeah. So my my end goal. Well, I, I got I to, let's take a pit stop. So I, I own Victory High Performance. Um, we, uh, my wife and I just bought a house in Las Vegas. So our plan is to move in 2025 to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. open a jiu-jitsu school there. We would, I, there's no way to tell whether or not I will have reached the highest level at that point. Uh, I, I don't expect anything, you know, I'm not like asking for promotion, but uh, you know, based on the timing and the amount that I train and, you know, you could probably, um, you could probably guess that, that, that probably would have happened by then. And mm-hmm. I w- so I would love to open, I'd still open the school, even if I hadn't got my black belt yet, uh, open a school there. We want to kind of merge jujitsu and strength training, um, similar to, I have never been there, but I think Electrum performance down in San Diego does something like that. They're, they're really tight with the Atos Okay. And so I would love to merge strength training and jujitsu at some point. And then once that is up and running, my other passion is, is coaching business. Like I love mm-hmm. the business side of things. I could talk about it all day. Uh, I'm very much into helping people free themselves from the day-to-day, nine-to-five, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so after opening a jujitsu school of my own that, you know, will be, you know, profitable and serve a lot of people, uh, I'd like to coach business to jujitsu gym owners who, you know, want to gain their life back Uh, because I don't know how many owners, you know, at this point I've met several doing the seminars here. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a lot of them start 
the start their gym is a passion project. They're like, Oh, I got my black belt. I love jujitsu. I just want to coach jujitsu. And then they open a school. And then next thing you know, they're coaching from six in the morning till nine at night and they have no breaks and they're just yeah. like running themselves into the ground. And there is a better way. And I know the better way. <laughs> um, so I, that's my very, very like end goal would be um, not just to have my own school, but to teach other jujitsu gym owners how to, how to build a business that serves their life, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Nice. And through this whole process, who has been like the most influential person in your life? <sighs> oh, that's, that's tough. That's a tough, yeah. tough one. You weren't <laughs> ready for that one. It's a that's wild a tough card. one. I could, a sharp I could, left turn. I could not possibly <laughs> give you just one. Um, there are so many people that I owe, um, you know, a huge huge debt of gratitude to I, you know, the strength coaches that I had growing up, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have gone down this path. Um, several of the coaches uh, that I coached with at the Sharks just taught me how to be, just be a better coach. Mm. Um, not just, not just um, instill a passion for strength and conditioning, but um, how to be a better coach, how to communicate better with my, uh, with my members, my teammates, my, uh, my athletes. Um, I have my parents to thank they're, they've, they're entrepreneurs. So, uh, you know, they've always kind of instilled that, um, entrepreneurial spirit in me. I can remember like, you know, lemonade stands as a kid and car washes and, you know, <laughs> doing whatever I could to like, you know, just be free to do what I want. You know, like I didn't want to like, I I've never, ever felt myself, um, able to, you know, do somebody else's bidding. Uh, it's it's mm -hmm. always, I've always wanted to, to do my own thing. Um, I have my coaches at, uh, at Kyle's Vitor Pasquale is, is, is my coach there. Um, and he's been a huge influence on me, like just instilling a passion for the sport and really um, helping foster an environment in which I can um, which I can flourish and, and feel comfortable training and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and just getting better every day. So I, I, I would be doing a great disservice to a lot of people if I said there was just one person. Um, and I'm sure the list is longer. Like I, I have other people <laughs> that I, I'm sure I left out, but, uh, the list goes on. <laughs> That's good. Awesome, man. And also at the same time on your day to day, what really motivates you? Um, well, from a jujitsu standpoint, I just want my jujitsu to be as tight as humanly possible. I, <laughs> I want it. I, I, I have a thing for, um, I have a thing for systems and technique and rules. And I like how all of that stacks up in my brain. And so when I see something or, you know, I'm trying to execute a technique, I just want it to be as, as bulletproof as possible. And, uh, make sure I have like all the bases covered. So, you know, I, it's jujitsu is the last thing I think about when I go to bed. And the first thing I think about when I wake up, I, I like, I cannot wait to get to, to class. And if I could stay all day, I would, um, you know, as I build the gym up and I hire more coaches and I'm able to take a step away from coaching full time, I will spend more time on the mats. Um, so I'd say that motivates me from a business standpoint, you know, building a business, like I said, that, um, supports my life, not the other way around. That's the mm -hmm. other motivation is, you know, every work I come, I, every day I come to work and my goal is to build something that can, obviously I want to be a part of it. Not that it needs to sustain itself without me, but, mm -hmm. um, something that can operate without 
me doing every single job, that's, uh, that's cool to me. And so that's my, I would say that's my motivation on the business side of things. Oh, nice. But let's say outside of jujitsu and hockey and uh, strength training, do you have any other hobby or something that you like that's completely different? I know there's always something like I, like I love jujitsu. I love strength training, but I'm a big nerd. I love technology. I'm crazy for technology. So do you have anything outside that no one knows about that you have, you're crazy about? Um, it's, it's not that no one knows about it, but it's probably, uh, less talked obvious. about. It's less talked about on, on podcasts like this is, mm -hmm. uh, I love languages. I, oh. I, je français, en fait. Oh, tu parles français bien. Comme un Québécois. So, so, so for everyone, for most, I know I have mostly Americans and Canadians. What we just said was, he speaks French very well. <laughs> um, so I, I love languages. I, I started teaching myself French in, in college. That's a whole nice. other story. I, I had a, a coach growing up. He's Swiss. He speaks seven languages. God and uh, <laughs> I know, and so, so I grew up with. Uh, he would bring uh, Swiss players, French-speaking Swiss players, over every year cool. to play on our teams. And so I can remember them kind of going back and forth in French, and and that kind of stuck in my head. And I thought to myself, if I wanted to coach at a high level, it would be helpful if I spoke more than one language. And so in college, I started to teach myself. I went online. I found like a knockoff Rosetta Stone. Started yeah, doing it. Estonia. yeah, yeah. Like it was like a, it was a totally free version. It was totally, it was garbage, but it got the me, basics. it got me the basics. And, and then I, I was like, well, okay, at a certain point I got to take it to the next level. So I started taking classes there. I got into French one and my teacher was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like you, this is all review for you. So I audited French three when I took French one. And then I audited French four when I took French two. And then I uh, transferred schools and I had already taken too many psychology courses they were like you can't graduate what you can graduate with a psychology degree but you're going to need to find something else to do so you get the, the amount of credits that you need to graduate from the school in general so I was like okay like can i double major and i'll let you major in french they're like okay you're kind of behind so you're gonna have to go to france and i was like oh I twist my arm and so <laughs> so i i i kind of I, they, they told me they're like okay you gotta go to france but and you'll study for a semester but you have to score a certain level in order for oh, your God. in order for your grades to count and so i kind of I'm the kind of person that kind of, I don't know, once I latch onto something, I go overboard and like just <laughs> go all the way. I'm a nerd about languages. And so, uh, <laughs> nice. and so I got a job in, in Quebec city, actually, uh, yeah. at Université Laval. <laughs> and I was at a hockey school there. And the best part about the hockey school was I was working with kids and kids don't care to correct you. They'll correct yeah. you. Even if it seems rude, they don't care. If yeah. you or I make a mistake in English or French, you, you, there, you, we won't say anything because we understand what's being said. Yeah. And it's it's seen as an adult as rude. But the kids are like, no, 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 don't say that. That's bad. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, exactly. So they were, they were, they played a huge role in, in developing my, my French for those, I think it was six or seven weeks that I was there at the camp. And then I left for France and everybody was like, he's from Quebec. And I was like, well, not really, but sure, I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> and, uh, and then I came back, I did another summer there in Quebec City. And I just like really just started to run with it. Um, and then I got into Middlebury. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Middlebury, but no. um, it's Middlebury is probably the preeminent language school on the planet. It's like where the CIA yeah. sends their people. It's, oh. it's legit. <laughs> uh, you, you sign a language pledge at the beginning. Uh, 
uh, if you speak a word of English, your immediate expulsion right away. Like there's no like English there. You live with the professors, their families, the whole thing is there and it's all in French all the time. They have several schools they have Portuguese, Spanish, French. Uh, I think they have Hebrew, Russian, a bunch of them like, and they're all going on at the same time. So you have like these, <laughs> these enclaves of people's, you know, like people speaking different, different languages all over the, all over the, uh, the campus. And when I got there, the, um, the co-director of the school, uh, Elise Salon, she's from <laughs> Sherbrooke and she, I started speaking with her and she was like, when do you start work? And I was like, I, I, what do you mean? And she was like, you're a language assistant, right? I was like, no, no, no student. <laughs> and so when, when I, when that happened, I knew I, something clicked in my head. I was like, all right, I've, I did pretty good here. Cause if she didn't think that I was like, you know, a student, then I, I probably I'm okay. Yeah. And then ever since then, like every time I cross the border, I speak in French to the, to the border patrol and they look at me and they look at my passport and they're like, so are your parents from here or what is, what is going on? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> So I, I read in it constantly. I'm like always watching TV and in, in French and um, listen to the, I listen to 98.5, uh, the, the local station there in Montreal and just <laughs> to like, just to listen to it all over and over. Yeah, so you do. Get, well, you do more than me. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, well <laughs> I, I have neighbors really that are French. I have neighbors that are French. So it's normal that on a daily basis, I'll speak to them in French. So it's kind of yeah. cool. And as soon as you spoke French, I was going to say, yeah, it's that Quebecois, like that Montreal Quebecois French, because for people yeah. who don't speak French, if you talk to someone from France and you talk to someone from Quebec, they are two different dialects. I am telling you, there's 100%. words in Quebec that are, we call in English franglais, which is English-French combined, and they just make up their own word, even though it sounds more English, and that is franglais, Quebec yeah. English, yeah. French. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's cool. It's kind of, I would say, oh my God, you sound like Quebec. You're from Quebec, right? <laughs> So that's cool. That's I, a we, cool. Uh... When we were uh, when we were in Quebec City a few weeks ago, Quebec City and Montreal, like I didn't speak a lick of English. I mean, to my wife, yes, because she she speaks she's English and uh, her family's Greek, so she speaks hmm. Greek and English. Uh, so I speak with her in English, but like all our servers, anybody that we were talking to, and nobody asked where I was from. I was like, I was so proud of myself. I was like, yes, yeah, I made it. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. They were like asking for my uh, for my. Um, uh, like my loyalty cards at places are like, where yeah. you know, do you have your thing? And I was like, no, no, I'm not from here. They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways, I, I get, I get uh, a huge kick out of language. Like I said, like similar to jujitsu, I think jujitsu yeah. is a language in itself, right? Exactly. Like have... My next point I want to make it. So Ex exactly. It's, it's, uh, it is a language and I love syntax and mm -hmm. grammar and there's <laughs> there i know that sounds so weird to say but it's it gives me great joy when when words go in the right order or in jujitsu's case the techniques go in the right order i yeah. get so i get so happy so uh <laughs> it's funny though that jujitsu is its own language like i have a i have an exam coming up in jujitsu and the thing is i feel that i know my jujitsu but me not doing exams for the past 15, 16 years, right? I hear the word exam, I freak out. But the thing is, I forget certain words. Like, what what, what kind of role? Oh, grand bureau, oh, grand, what, grand bureau, what's this kind of, oh, uh, Kimura sweep, wait, wait, what? like the, it doesn't click. But yeah. then as soon as we do the positional training, all oh, right, that one there, I have my, like my own special word right, for right, it already. Right. Yeah, I know, I know that one. Or yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it takes time to like get used to the language of jujitsu and the terminology and all that stuff. But 
yeah, it can be challenging. Stress me a bit sometimes. <laughs> it's you know every time I go in for for a test, I just think of it as a private lesson. You're just gonna see mm -hmm. where you're at, and I, when I look at it, I I used to get nervous. White belt going to blue, I my mouth cotton mouth couldn't talk. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, like. And I never got nervous for tests in school. Never, ever exactly, got nervous. Exactly. I, I was the kind of kid who just like showed up for the test. I was like, ah, oh, just see what happens. And I took the test, got A's, no problem. Never sweat it, but never sweat it. I got my, went to my first test for jujitsu, completely froze up. I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? And I studied so hard. I was like staying after class. I was drilling extra. I was drilling with the higher yeah. belts. I was like, you know, like trying to make it all right. And Kai was notorious for kind of playing around with people and poking them and like trying mm -hmm. to like, you know, just see like what you're going to do. And, you know, the whole every single thing I did, he was like, wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. Wrong. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I know nothing. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I sat in my car. I like just cursed myself for 10 minutes. I was like, you idiot. Like you what what did you just do? And then, <laughs> and then I got my blue belt and, and then that came out after the, it was like one of the better tests. I was like, what do you mean? And I, you know, as now I've been through it several times, I, I number one realized that he's going to play with you and, and poke and prod and try to get you to mess up. And number two, uh, there are varying degrees of, um, of detail that are required at each belt. And just because I made mistakes at the white belt level didn't mean that I had a bad test. It just meant that I didn't, I didn't do the move completely correct, but for a white belt did it really well. So, <laughs> so. you didn't perfect it at his level, like his mindset. Right, kind of right, right. That's I mean, good. Like, That's and, good. And Kyle is so far ahead of everybody. It's <laughs> it, it. Sometimes I feel he struggles to understand why anybody doesn't see jujitsu the way he does. And it's like, well, because we didn't get our black belts in three years and, <laughs> and, exactly. then, win, and then win 12 world titles. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, listen, his, uh, his technical acumen is, is otherworldly. There's, I, I don't know anybody else who, who can see jujitsu or see the game mm -hmm. as clearly. And as I say, as slowly as a compliment, right? Like, you know, when you're first starting, everything happens so fast and you just, you like, don't even know what's going on. The way Kyle sees the game is slow in that he sees everything before it happens. He's six steps ahead and it's, it's like, it's like, you know, nothing to him just like, you know, moving around. So, um, anyways, all that to say, <laughs> I just started thinking about tests as private lessons and they're just going to tell me what I need to work on and that's it. And if I pass great. And if I don't, I just come back and work on it and do it again. Yeah, exactly. So. I've been, I was psyching myself up the first time. First, I've been waiting because at our school, we didn't have uh, like a belt system for no gi. So this is our first official no okay. gi belt system. So huh, that's huge for me. And I was first, one of the first to get, you know, invited. Hey, cool. so, and after, after that, the next day, Very like, cool. holy shit, what do we have to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> ask me to submit someone. I'll do it my way. I'll get there. But then it's like, I don't know, all the types of shrimping, all the, oh, what <laughs> i know i know yeah. the one way that i shrimp yeah. <laughs> is it power shrimp a forward <laughs> shrimp What's... shit what what, what, yeah. what just happened so whatever i'm gonna deal with yeah. that but I'm, I'm i'm thinking less about it. i'm saying i'm having fun i, I know my basics just don't... and whatever yeah. if i get it i don't i don't care my jiu-jitsu yeah. i'm happy with where i am and at the end of the day I'll, I'll, if i don't get it now i'll get it in a couple months or whatever yeah no big deal it won't change but... your jujitsu from day to day no uh, and, unless you take it as a, as like I said, a, a lesson, and then you, if you, if there's something that you didn't know, then you go and fix it. Then it will change your jujitsu for the better. Yeah. Right? Exactly. 
it does. And before we end off, I just want to ask you a few more questions. Yeah, of course. Uh, now that we're here, what is, you could say, your greatest accomplishment? Dun, dun, dun. These, oh, these questions get hard, man. Greatest accomplishment? I would be... There could be many. There could be many. I, there, are, there are several. I, you know, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, scoring my wife. She's, Thank God you said that. I was about yeah, to say, I was about she's poking. a babe. Wife, 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 wife is first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wife and kids are always first. Yep, yep, yep. Um, she's awesome. I, I love her death. We met at jujitsu, and oh, I knew I, I knew that I needed to uh, be with somebody who understood why I would crazily wake up on Christmas morning or Thanksgiving and want to go train, and she gets it. She totally supports my... <laughs> Totally supports my habit. She's like, you know, go, 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 go to school and, you know, do your thing. And I'm like, all right, cool. So uh, <laughs> nice. th- that, um, the you know, having grown the business uh, to the level it's at now, I, I won uh, business owner of the year in my mastermind group last year. So that was, that's nice. probably, that, and that's voted, I saw on, that. by my, I saw voted that. on by my peers. So it's not, not the, the owners of the mastermind, but other business owners. Cool. Um, so I nice. would, I would count that up there as one of them. Um, from a language perspective, blending in with Quebecers, not being not yes, being sir. mistaken for an American, great accomplishment. Mm. Love that. Um, <laughs> from a jujitsu perspective, I mean, Kyle's so tough. On uh, as, if you if you get a belt from Kyle, you deserve it. There's mm. like there's no um, there's no mistaking that he doesn't he does not give pity belts, and mm. uh, and so like getting my brown belt in December was huge for me. That was like a, um, you know, I, I'm not, there's no end, you know, yeah. even after you get your black belt, there's no end. Never. Uh, I, you know, I'm not like at that level yet, but uh, it, brown belt's nothing to sh- shake, uh, shake your head at, right? Like it's oh. a, <laughs> and so to get it from Kyle really meant a lot. It's, it's uh, I know how much jujitsu means to him and, from Vitor Pasquale as well, like my, my coach, uh, he's put so much time and effort into into getting me um, where I'm at, and so to be recognized in that way was um, was massive. So yeah, Kyle's great. I, I watched the reel on Kyle like when he got his black belt, and he lost a tournament. Mm-hmm. So he lost tournament. And he got like the whole emotion. Like you see the passion in his eyes about like jujitsu and everything. It's really it's amazing, man. Like and yeah. for you to be like so close by the trainer, it's like a, a crazy blessing. Yeah. And uh, before we end off, I want to ask you: Where is the best place for people to find you? Where can yeah. they look you up? Um, okay, so I wrote this down because I I always forget to mention everything. Um, so <laughs> the first place, my, my personal Instagram is matt.jits.hugh, um, J I T S in the middle. I'll write and it. I'll put it right the, here. It's okay, going to be cool. printed somewhere here. <laughs> um, so that's my, that's my personal Instagram. If you want to see, uh, like we do, um, I'll put like business stuff up, jujitsu stuff up, strength training stuff up. And then, as you mentioned earlier, like Josh and I have our running, uh, our sketch the comedy. Crank. The crank. Yeah, yeah. You can see our. Um, we've got a couple other ideas in the works. We're uh, we're always every time we drill together, it's debauchery and it devolves into, um, you know, script writing. And you know, Josh comes. Josh comes back to me the next day. He's like, "Hey, I wrote a script. Do you want to film some lines?" I'm like, "All right, cool. Let's do it." <laughs> so, um, so there's some there's some comedy on that one. Um, the business is at Victory High Performance. 
Yes. And so that's like all things, uh, strength training for jujitsu, um, mobility for jujitsu, anything that's going to help people, um, improve their, um, or any, anything that's going to help people off the mats improve their jujitsu on the mats. Um, on, uh, the train heroic app, we have our submission strength system. It's a 12 week program. Um, it's 99 bucks, but we walk everybody through like their video explanations and demos. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've basically put our program, the program that we run here, um, on, uh, online. So on their, uh, the train heroic marketplace, uh, we're writing an ebook for strong and fit, which is BJJ fanatics, um, mm, their nice. strength and conditioning offshoot. Um, mm -hmm. so I think, uh, that ebook will be featured on BJJ fanatics and strong and fit. And that cool. it's a working title right now, but should be move, feel, perform better. Um, and then eventually I would like to do like a, a pure BJJ fanatics one, um, not just on the strong and fit, but th that should be on both platforms. Um, and then if anybody's listening in San Jose or in the Bay area, um, we have our bulletproof seminars, bulletproof your body, win more matches. We run those at any of the, uh, at several local, uh, jujitsu academies. The next one is at Gilroy BJJ on June 25th. And you can sign up for, um, it's totally free. You can sign up for that, register for it on uh, the link and on the Victory High Performance Instagram bio. Boom. We're all over the Duh. place. We're, we're making moves, Busy, man. man. <laughs> making moves? My God. That's awesome. Yeah, so thanks. Awesome. So, Matt, I want to say a special thank you for coming on my podcast today. It was thanks quite, so much for uh, having me, Marco. Quite, quite the chat. Quite the chat. Maybe in the future we can have you and Josh at the same time. I would love to do that. That would Nothing would make me happier, actually. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. So before we end this one, guys, I want to say again, a special thanks to Higher Health Canada and USA and the good folks at X Marshall. You can find my special discount code somewhere around here, BJJ Tech Nerd. Again, that's one word, BJJ Tech Nerd. Matt, thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a blast. I love, right. love talking about that stuff. <laughs> All right, guys. Catch you later. Have a good one. Oops.